uh, I finally had he was there so long. <laughs> go home. We're going home soon. That's oh, okay. I'll stick around. No. <laughs> you know, he was there for the church. No. It's, by the way, Adam was not fed when he was talking about this kid think now. Actually, that's just really good. Um, anything from the staff gifts, so don't worry about I'm just kidding. <laughs> Difficult with Drew, and uh, not because he's my son, but just because to see him in that shape um, is really, it was tough Friday night um, after the accident had happened, and uh, he, his uh, <laughs> located again. And then they dislocated it again. Yeah. His brother, because uh, he thought um, he may not make it through the night because he had a blood clot. Sorry. What are you doing, man? Oh, sorry. Is that better? Okay. I just thought it was my throat. Um, <laughs> sorry. It has been difficult with Drew, but uh, Maureen, um, boy, I'll tell you, she's, she was there for like almost two days straight. And uh, the Lord spoke to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say this to this body. This is not part of the sermon, but a few weeks ago, I was praying for my family, and uh, it was before this service, and I was out up at the park where Francis Chan spoke, and I was just praying for my family because uh, my kids go through different things, obviously, just like your kids do, and um, I, I went to go back in my car in Jesus' name, got in my car, and the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, it's not over. What? I seriously thought someone had said that, you know, like outside, and it was like, it's not over. I said, what's not over? And the Lord spoke. He said, I have the last word. So I, I, as you hear this word this morning, remember, God has the last word. All things work together for good for them that love God who are called according to his purpose. Kurt's been talking and others have been talking of late about how the temperature is being turned up in our culture in terms of uh, a little bit of persecution a little bit of um, opposition, whether we're living in the last days or not, I don't know, but for sure, all you have to do is look around to know that people are kind of more and more opposed to the gospel, the gospel message. Doesn't mean that we're all going to prison if we believe, but you know, we don't know. Uh, all you have to do is listen to Canon White and know that things are changing in the world, are they not? I mean. To, to the point where, you know, Christians, man, there is persecution going on in the world, and I don't know how we could think that we would ever not be part of that, but I think the temperature is being turned up, and as Kurt was talking about, about the lobster in the pot, and slowly but surely the temperature is going up. Oh, that's okay, it's only a couple of degrees. Oh, that's only a couple of degrees. Oh, that's only a couple of degrees. And 20, 30 degrees, and you're boiling, and you're going, how did this happen? There's a scripture in Ephesians 5. Um, let me see if I can get this right. 
in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. I think it's very, very key that the church listen to that and know that it's a clarion call. If Paul was saying this 2,000 years ago, sitting in a Roman prison waiting to be beheaded, what is awaiting the church? And we need to be very keen and have our spiritual radar up. And I wanna give God all the glory this morning in my life. He's given me salvation. When I was 18 years old, I, you know, I had fought the Lord for so long. He came into my life and did for me what I could never do for myself. He saved me. He, he, he gave me his Holy Spirit. He gave me purpose and meaning. He gave me a great, sorry guys, but I got the best wife ever. Yeah, I, I, everybody knows if they know me, then you know Maureen that I married up. No doubt about it. And she proves once again that she's the mother of the year of the century by the way she has taken care of Drew. And I'm telling you, she's got, I have a wonderful family, I have a wonderful ministry, and I have hope for the future, amen? Do you have hope for the future? Because yes. I am not trying to paint a dark, oh, it's terrible, you know what's next? The sky is falling. Well, that might be, but I have hope. I thought, I don't have hope in technology, that's for sure. <laughs> There's my family, sans Drew. And Sans, my foster son, and his wife, and, and their two kids. And I just have, <laughs> I'm the richest man you know. Oh, really? Can I have your bank account number? <laughs> no, because <laughs> there's not much in there. But I am the wealthiest man you know. I really am. I have so much to be thankful for. I have so much in my life, and it's because of, of the Lord Jesus my obedience to him has always been paramount, but in the last few years, I'm concerned about a pattern that I see on my obedience meter. Do you have one of those? My obedience factor, especially in one of the areas of my life, and that was moving back here to the Seattle area. See, I was from here, and when Maureen was in the, in the Navy, she, we, she got um, from Australia, she got stationed at Keyport, Washington, near Bremerton, and after a couple years that she was in I decided, not her, but I decided we would stay in Bremerton. And um, <laughs> a few years ago, Maureen was nannying for uh, Tracy. Wouldn't that be a great job, nannying for your grandkids? It's like a dream job, right? And uh, Maureen said, you know, she was going back and forth to Seattle. What if, what if we move to Seattle and you commute to Bremerton? Or just get a job in Seattle? I said, honey, you get a job in Seattle that pays more than I make? will move. And that wasn't hard to do, by the way, with teaching in the Christian school in Bremerton. And guess what? She got a job that paid more than I did. But my response was, I'd become ensconced in my work in Bremerton. I was a big fish in a very little pond. And I was doing great, and I was an AP teacher, and I loved my seniors and all those kinds of things, and I was very comfortable in the Christian school. But I'm telling you that this really bothered me, and this, when God spoke to me about moving back, I said this, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Man, what is it with me and technology? Eh? Um, God, 
David, I don't know if you respond to the Lord like this, but this is my obedience factor. I can't make sense of how it's going to work. Um, according to Strength Finder, <laughs> another risk taker. Did you know that, God? Um, do you understand why I can't, right? Lord, you, you got that? I can't. And how about I delay my obedience to a time of my own choosing? You know, I used to kill my kids when they were little that delayed obedience was disobedience. Yeah. And I don't think that's a good idea. I'd become so ensconced in what I'd done in Bremerton. I've got to go back here. Keeps giving me the same thing. Well, this is where I worked, by the way, in Bremerton. These are a few of my grads from a few years ago. These, these kids, I mean, they're just like so cool. Uh, that's me leading worship at a graduation service. But by the way, I had laryngitis that night. And two kids stepped in like that. Well, we know your style, Mr. Thatcher. We'll do it. You know? Oh, my gosh. But I had become so ensconced there and so, like, in a rut. You know what a rut is, right? It's, it's a uh, grave with the sides kicked out. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I just thought that I would probably live and die there. And please, Maureen, do not bother me anymore about moving to Seattle. Okay? But this is kind of where I was in this whole thing. How do I start the video? I'll let Francis Chan do that. I'll let him talk to you about it, maybe. Where did he go? Francis. It was, uh, a lot of you guys know my mom died giving birth to me. Then my dad remarried. Then my stepmom died in a car accident when I was nine. Then my dad got married again. Then my dad died of cancer when I was 12. And so I'm in junior high, my mom's dead, my stepmom's dead, my dad's dead. The only close relatives I had were my, my aunt and uncle, George and Sandra. And then when I was in high school, they got in a fight, and my uncle George shot and killed my aunt, and then stuck the gun to his own head, killed himself. So I'm 16 years old, and this is life to me, going, man, what's next? Everything seems to be falling apart, and we get a little worried, we get a little scared. And this is what Christians do. You know, they try to serve God, but then things get a little rocky. And things get a little unstable. And so we go, okay, that was nuts. I don't, I don't want to live like that. Let me, uh, let me hold on. And this is your routine. This is what so many people do. They go, you know what? I'm not going to try anything crazy. I'm just going to sit here. And uh, I'm just going to hold on. And uh, this is what you look like. You just go... Uh, this is what people do. You know what? I'm just going to have my nice little family. We're just going to, um, you know, we're just going to keep to ourselves. We're going to live in a gated community. I'm going to homeschool my kids, make them wear helmets everywhere. I'm going to, um, you know, I'm not going to let them outside because son has bad rays. I'm going to, um, you know, just on and on and on. And you just live your life in the safety of I don't want to do anything crazy for God. I just... I just want to, you know, go to church on Sundays and maybe give like 2% um, and uh, maybe serve, help the nursery because I feel guilty. And then you do this your whole life and then you, you go, your greatest prayer is like, God, you know what? I would love to die in my sleep and not even feel it and then just go up to heaven. And so you want to die like this, just in your sleep, ooh, right in the middle of a dream, good dream, the dream you're going to heaven and you don't even feel it and then suddenly you wake up you stand before the judge and you go. 
Now, if uh, could you imagine? Could you imagine watching the Olympics? You know. And some girl does that, just gets up there, starts straddling the thing, and then steps off and goes... <laughs> what is the judge supposed to do on the card? You see, and to me, I go, man, that's the routine that so many Christians are headed for. That's the routine, the boring, I do nothing crazy because I don't want to fall. I, I, that's the routine that they're going to live, and then one day it's going to be a shock because they're going to step off that balance beam and realize they're standing before the judge. They're standing before the judge, and you think he's going to look at that routine and go, wow, well done. Well done. You lived the safest life possible. You didn't slip. You didn't fall. See, that's not the life that God's called us to. That's where the majority will head. But I don't want to go where the majority goes. And you know, I saw that video in the middle of time I was working in Bremerton. And I, it troubled my heart. And I said, God, you better not take me out of here because this is my second address. I'm known here. People even like me here. And these are where most of my friends are. So please don't take me out of here. Well, then Tracy, a few years back, she said, hey, Dad, why don't you love your brothers and sisters and contact your brothers and sisters like you encouraged Matt and Drew and I and Josh to do? And I tried to explain to her that, you know, Maureen's family was a little bit whack and my family was definitely whack. And we needed space and we needed dips and it wasn't a good idea. And then the next year came along and I was reading in Genesis and I was reading the story about Jacob and I just love that story, and I hit Mount Rainier. It wasn't a speed bump, as we talk about in soap. It was Mount Rainier. And it was, it was this particular verse of Scripture. Now leave this land and go back to your native land. And I just stopped. And this is what I wrote in my Bible. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, I said, uh-oh. <laughs> And it wasn't, a, it wasn't a speed bump, man. And I said, you know, I, I, I put in my journal, later, God, you know, Genesis 31, 13, later, God. It was a month later that my sister died of a drug overdose. She'd been struggling with pre prescription drug overdose for years. And my parents wanted to uh, just have a service at the funeral home, and I said no. And we had a funeral for my sister and 150 people came and gave testimony that my sister, in her early years, brought them so many people to Christ. My parents wouldn't have known that. But I remember at the church I was going to at the time, the pastor said, I want you to preach a sermon on your sister's death. And the name of the sermon was, It's Dark in Here. It was dark. It was dark in there. And I looked at my, my sister who was left and my, my two brothers and my mom and dad who were elderly, and I thought, I got to think about this. And a year and a half later, I was sitting on the porch of Queen Anne uh, at, my, um, at my grandkids' house with Tracy and her brood, and Thatcher was sitting on my lap. Thatcher is my grandson. His first name is my last name. Isn't that cool? And he's sitting on my lap, and he says, hey, Papa? And I said, yeah. He said, could you and Mimi come and live close to us so we could be together all the time? <laughs> Done. 
Like, I have been asking that, 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 that. <laughs> done. I said, we've got to find a place in Seattle. So we moved to Seattle. That was a miracle in itself. And I thought, this is cool. I get my own way. You know, we're going to live in Seattle. I can commute to Bremerton. Maureen said, why don't you get a job in a teaching job? No! No! <laughs> and I was still harping on that. Out of the mouths of babes, that happened with Thatcher. Isn't that cool? And last, the year before last, I got called into the office by a supervisor who had been a friend of mine. And she said, we don't think that your teaching is up to snuff to what your standards have been and your test scores are down and blah, blah. I said, is this observation or is this written down or is this? She said, no, it's perception. And you know what Dr. Phil says, that perception is everything. Oh, thank you for invoking you know, the great Dr. Phil. Boy, that really closes the deal. <laughs> it's perception. I mean, teach, you're supposed to write things down if I'm doing it wrong, right? Well, this is my job to tell you. And I'm your friend, so I'm telling you. Okay, so I said, Lord, what should I do? And the Lord said, there's a couple other things I want to talk to you about, son. And one of them is your, your humility. Oh, is that all? <laughs> so I told myself, I think it's hard to know if you humble yourself, isn't it? I humbled myself. I think you, did you? You know, am I supposed to throw ashes on my head or something? Or I don't know. But, you know, I kind of screwed up my courage and I went back and I'm telling you, you know, you know what happened? Things got worse. They didn't get better. They got worse. And the Lord, he just said, son, now it's time to go. So in the summer, sorry, the spring of last year, I put in applications in the Bellevue school districts and surrounding public schools, not Christian schools, because I thought it was time to leave Christian school. I've been in Christian school for 35 years of my life. I had four interviews at three schools, and I never got the job. But it was cool because it was like, there's a possibility. People were actually interested in this old guy, you know. <laughs> uh, I actually might be okay to teach there. And uh, a lot of different circumstances. That I worked for Pearson Education this summer, uh, doing some scoring for their national board certification for teachers. And I loved it. And here was the kicker. It was 15 minutes to work one way and 15 minutes back. And as opposed to Bremerton, driving like an hour and 15 minutes one way and two hours, you know, the way back, I just thought, that's it. I'm not going back to Bremerton. Called my boss, and he said, what? <laughs> called me the next day, and he said, I had a bad dream last night that you called me and told me you weren't coming back. <laughs> I said, it wasn't a dream. I'm not coming back. And, you know, I thought if I have to sub, I sub. And... <laughs> I'd make as much subbing every day. If I subbed every day and, you know, took the jobs every day, I'd get paid as much as I was making <laughs> at, at the Christian school. So I decided to sub. Isn't God such a good God? I mean, really. That sounds glib, but isn't he the greatest? Abba, Father. You know, we don't really know what that means. A friend of mine who is, I think, Palestinian said that he heard in the marketplace one time, as a kid, the little boy was lost and he was crying out, Abi, Abi. Because he didn't know where his daddy was. Yeah. God's such a great God. How do, how do you handle obedience issues? How do I handle obedience issues? This body, this family, has been through quite a few obedience issues in, the, in these last six to ten years. But what about you? I'll bring it down to us. With things changing the way they are and God um, ratcheting things up and turning the temperature up, 
what may need to change in your life. When you read God's word and your heart feels like, ouch, or uh-oh, <laughs> what's your response? Is it like, like I was? Later, later. We'll deal with this later. You know, life and time have a way of rearranging things, don't they? The life and the times that we live in and the circumstances with which we deal may change our focus, but I'll tell you one thing, God does not change, and he's interested in changing us into the image of his dear son and not letting go, because he loves us too much to let us stay the same. Maybe you're like other folks. Maybe you're not, I love, I love change. <laughs> I'm the anti, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm the guy that wants to change. I, I'll go to Nineveh tomorrow. I'm the anti-Jonah. You know, let me at them. They'll repent if, you know. And you, you like change. And, you know, that may not be good either because if God doesn't want you to go and he says, wait, I'm not waiting, I'm going. Maybe that's you. So, see, change can work both ways. What if Kurt had said when the Lord let him know a few years ago that things were about to change, what if Kurt went back to God and said, I'm sorry, Lord, business as usual because I'm not changing. I, I like the way things are. And you may be changing things and turning up, but I, I like the way things are. Thanks. Hmm. Selah. Think about that. What should your current role be in serving the Lord? Now, I'm not just talking about the church. This is not a commercial to get you involved in the church. This is not that. I'm talking about your every dayness in dealing with people, in loving people, in connecting with your God and connecting with the people that he loves because he's not forsaken any of us. If it was true that it was over, he would have come back and we'd be gone. But the Bible says in 2 Peter that it's because of God's patience and his love for us that he's waiting. He's waiting. Wow, I'm sure glad that God is patient with us. Are you afraid of what might happen like I was? Are you troubled by your response or lack of it? Do you want it on your terms? God has a wonderful life for my plan. <laughs> or maybe you're anxious to leave a place and God has not opened a door yet. Is the term wait on God, does it stink to you? I want to show you a, a clip I was going to read this, but I want to show you a clip from the movie Jesus, made in 1979, where Jesus and Peter have their encounter, and Jesus calls Peter, James, and John. So instead of reading it to you, I want to show it to you. Pay, pay attention to Peter's words and his expression with Jesus. be with you. And you, Master. Will you both bear me, Simon? Why not? there were two men who went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. 
Pharisee stood apart by himself and prayed, I thank you, God, that I am not greedy or dishonest or an adulterer like everybody else. I thank you that I am not like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week, do one-tenth of all my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and would not even raise his face to heaven, but beat upon his breast and said, God, have pity on me, a sinner. I tell you, the tax collector, not the Pharisee, was in the right with God when he went home. For the man who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Push the boat out further to the deep water. Then you and your partners let down your nets for a catch. Oh, master, we worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. James! John! Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Wow, is that powerful? Is that powerful? I like this part. In the message, it says, Simon Peter, when he saw it, fell to his knees before Jesus. Master, leave. I'm a sinner. And I can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. Man, I tell you, I'm sure glad that Jesus did not leave me to myself. And I'm sure glad he didn't leave Peter to himself. Just think, Peter, James, and John, and the rest of the apostles, most of these guys would probably not go further than five or ten miles away from where they were born. And each one of them had, got to be on a mission trip. And just think about Peter. He ended up in Rome. And his ministry as the bishop of Rome had a huge impact. I'm going to ask John Iwasaki if he'll pray at this point, even though I'm not in the right moment. That's okay. Teachers get caught up. John, thank you for praying this morning. I won't tell you what a great guy I think John is because that's what Kurt does. So, But we appreciate you and your family, John, so much. Thank you, Greg. Lord, in um, this Thanksgiving week, and as already has been said, we have much to be thankful for. Of all people, we should be thankful. Mm. 
And um, even though Greg's week did not turn out as he anticipated, we, we thank you that you still spoke to him and everything you poured into him, I pray he pours out thank and that you, we Lord. have ears to hear what you have to say to us today. Um, I lift up uh, Northwest Foursquare Church yes, in Federal Way and pray that powerful things be done there this morning as well. Thank you in your name. Amen. Thank you so much, John. <laughs> Lead me to myself. Jesus didn't leave. He didn't say, well, Peter, you're right, so I'm out of here. I forgot that you were sinful. <laughs> Jesus wanted Peter, James, and John for a fishing trip of Jesus' choosing much bigger than the Sea of Galilee. Jesus knew that things were changing. Jesus was turning up the heat. He knew that once he went to the cross for us, was raised again from the dead, and went back to his father, that he needed a group of people that would be able to carry on and do greater things than he had done. And Peter, James, and John, and the rest of the apostles were in that group. Make a couple of points here. You know, God doesn't override our free will, so we'll obey him. However, it, it may restrict the scope of his lordship in our lives. God wants who you are right now. Well, if I could just clean myself up a little bit, you know, see, I got a problem with fill in the blank or blanks. Then I will do something for God. You know, when I first got saved, uh, the girl that I went with, that I was going with, um, her, her family didn't receive what I had to say very well about being a Christian and their daughter becoming a Christian. But the uncle took me aside after about a year and he said, you know something, Greg, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know that Jesus loves me and has a plan for my life. As soon as I'm done raising these five kids, Annette and I are going to the mission field. I said, really, why would you wait? He said, I gotta get these kids raised first. And two years later, he died of a massive heart attack on the showroom floor at Harris Ford. Now, I'm not telling you that story because and if you don't do it, this is what, you, you don't know, you and I don't know when our lives are over. We don't. We think we have control of our, over our lives. Who would have thought that Drew would have messed his knee up over carrying something to work? See, we, we, we don't have, we really don't have that much control over our lives. God wants you who you are right now. He's equipped you, things that you already know, to show you places of his power that you've only heard of. Other people do those things, not me. Yes, you. And I'll use Russell Wilson's saying that came about long before Russell Wilson, why not you? Why not you? Well, you don't know me. I'm just this. What Adam did yesterday for us in showing his support was huge. He didn't throw a touchdown pass, but I'll tell you what, in my book, he is such a great representative of who Lake Sam is because he reached out and touched my family. He did something great. God has equipped us in ways in which you are not aware yet. And until you step out, you can't know them. You can't. You don't get grace for your imagination. Has anybody ever told you that? Well, what if? Yeah, well, what if? Well, what about it? Here's a promise that Christians don't, don't usually claim. In the world, you'll have tribulation. 
but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's why I can worship this morning. That's why I can stand up here this morning. Even though Drew's in the hospital, my heart's with him. I'll tell you what, man, got bigger than that. And I'm, I, I'm going to tell you about some things that happened at the school that will show you. God is, a, for such a time as this, God is calling his church for a return on the investment he's deposited in us. Listen, the things that you do see and the things that you have not seen yet because I have not seen nor, nor has it entered into the heart of a person, those things that God has prepared for those that love him. And that's not just heaven. It's here. It's now. Master, here are the five talents you gave me. Guess what? I've earned five more. See, this is the return on the investment that God is talking about. He's interested in something in you, not so you hold on to the balance beam and die a real, you know, okay, calm death. And Hi. I assure you, it won't be like that. It'll be more like this. <laughs> It'll be, how world could you accept me in? And God will just point to his son. I love you because of, because of him because of what he did for you. Wow. You know, in saying yes to God, I want to give you a first-hand example of that. I, uh, I met with Tamara Lee um, to talk about youth ministry and what she was doing in youth ministry because um, I wanted to see firsthand and I thought maybe it, you know, it was a good idea for me to get involved. And the Lord spoke to my heart about that and Tamara and I met together. And then after that, I went to the Wednesday night time I was stunned. I was stunned about what was going on. I was stunned about the kids' response. I was stunned about the leadership that she had in place. And I was stunned about how things were going. I thought, wow. So I wanted her to come up this morning and share about what God is doing in overflow. And, you know, her saying yes to that, how she got involved. Go ahead, Jack. I'm talking too much. I want to drink water anyway, so. Okay. Is it on? Um. When Greg asked me to talk, he phrased it just a little bit differently. <laughs> so, I, Greg's been talking about obedience. And obedience is the way I'm actually wired. And with God, I've, I've walked with God long enough that I figure if the king of the universe wants me to do something, I'm in. I don't want to be someplace else. I want to be there. But my problem seems to be, well, what do you want me to do? <laughs> and I'll ask him, what do you want me to do? And it's like, crickets. Like, this isn't how it's supposed to work. But does anyone else know that? You go to God with a very big question, and it's like, quiet. So this summer, I've been working on the youth team for the past three years. And this summer, the steering team, because of life circumstances, all needed to step down. And I was the lone man standing. And I went, am I supposed to hold this back? Because I think I have the spiritual gift of gap filling. <laughs> I want to gap fill this ministry. This needed to be led by someone called. Someone with a purpose. These kids are so important. So God, am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to take the reins? Because that's what it's going to look like right now. And, and I could hear the pros and cons, right? I had vision. I could see where we could go. I could see the kids coming into youth, and I was so excited. 
But I could also see how I could fail spectacularly. Mm. And that wasn't okay. It wasn't okay for the team. It wasn't okay for the kids. So God and I had been going back and forth about this. Nothing. I was down at my parents' place in Vancouver, and they have this old apple tree. And it was August, and it was hot, and I was sitting under the tree. And I um, called Justine, because Justine's been here a lot. She ran ministry for 10 years, for those of you who don't know her, youth ministry. And she talked, and she was able to say things to me that only a friend can say. Because if it comes from a spouse or from a pastor, you kind of feel like they have ulterior motives, right? (laughs) But a friend can speak truth to you. And good truth, not bad truth. And you can actually hear it from them and go, oh, you see me that way? You're not just telling me that because you want me to do something for you, right? (laughs) And I could hear it, and I got off the phone, and I'm like, all right, God. He's like, no, you're asking the wrong question. (laughs) Oh, I'm not going to answer your question something else for you, okay? And he, okay. I, me, I like to be transparent about who I am. And so if I see something that's wrong with me, I'm willing to say this is wrong with me, okay? But if someone else tells me what's wrong with me, I crumble and fall, okay? You mean I missed that? That is so, like, in my heart. I failed. But God has a way of talking to me. He unlocks the chains that are holding me. And when he reveals something that I haven't seen, instead of being crushed and shamed and embarrassed, I'm like, oh, I let go of that? There's there's that? Yeah, I'll I'll let go. And I'm not humiliated by the uck that's in me. I'm free because it's being transformed and released. And so this was one of those moments. God looked at me and he said, you're willing to go anywhere with me. I'm like, oh, yeah, put me there. He said, are you willing to fail? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) I'll homeschool my kids. I'll do that with you. I might even go to Africa if you ask me. Failure, not an option. He said, hmm, if you're willing to fail, you will know. Hmm. You will go places with me where I can reach inside of you in a way that success can never get to. Are you willing Mm -hmm. to fail? Well, I'm not going to fail the kids. I'm not going to. It's like, "Mm -mm mm-mm-mm. I say Yes. (laughs) But then I remembered, if the king of the universe wants me here, he's there with me. And I said, yes. I took up the reins. And what I found, I've I've led kids' ministries for years here. I've led youth for years here. But this time was different. Mm. I went, oh. You know, when you're willing to fail, you you don't blame others when failure happens. When you're willing to fail, you can take your itty-big little part that you have and the whole scheme that the king of the universe has and know he's got the rest of it. Hmm. The weight of the world doesn't have to sit on your shoulders. You can do your little part. And you don't have to be shamed. 
you can know that he's got it. He cares so much more than you ever will. Mm. And he won't let your mistakes destroy others. Failure is not forever. It's not final. And God can do beautiful things when he's ready. Thanks, Tara. Wow. Yeah. Look at the blessings of, of obedience in this situation. I mean, it's, it, it affects not only Tamara personally and Eric and Tamara together as a couple, because that's something, even though Eric may not be here with the youth, he's being, yes, this is something that I'm part of. I mean, it, it affects the heart of our community. Um, so thank you, Tamara and Eric, and your kids part, being part of that is awesome as well. Um, her family's blessed. What about, what about the, the Lou's in China saying yes? What about Christina Anderson uh, in the Philippines? What about Jamie in Thailand? What about the Halls? What about the Hus camps? I mean, think of the people that have said yes and the blessings that have occurred because of it. Wow. That's, that's awesome. And I'm sure that each one of them has a story. Will there be uh, opposition? Sure there will be. Uh, you can get it from your enemies. You might get it from your friends as well as your close friends. Wow. Uh, they may even use scripture and family and common sense to try to talk you out of it. Well, what are you going to do with the, you know, I mean, like family time and what are you going to, you know, uh, school and what are you? Okay, but if God says yes, go ahead and do, do it. Is he going to put the grace out so that you'll be able to do it? Yeah, by, if he gives you the direction, he'll give you the grace and and give you his spirit to know how to handle those things. And by, by the way, it's not forever. It's probably for a season. And God only knows what the season will be. Will the enemy attack? Probably. Are there doubts? Yes. But greater will be the blessings and the assurance from above and in our hearts, of course, because Jesus is the Lord of all. And he said that he would be with us always, even to the end of the age. I don't think often enough, I'm going to talk about just this for my own life, that I think that that's true in my life, even though I'm serving him in the way that he asked me to serve him. I don't call on him enough. I believed in a lie that he was unable to help me. He gave me this ministry, didn't he? He wants me to roll up my sleeves, and I'm going to invoke that scripture that says, God helps those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible, by the way. That's poor Richard's almanac. <laughs> but people, don't we do that? We believe lies. You can't go to the public school. You know, I heard, I heard somebody say this one time, a well-known Christian back in the 70s. The only other institution other than the public schools that is more satanic is our prison system. And so as a young teacher, I'm going, I'm sure glad that I'm in a Christian school. Because I don't want the evil ones to come around me. Wow. And now I am one. <laughs> As with Peter, Jesus wants you to come closer. As Justine said ago, a couple of years ago, to lean in. When you're in the huddle in a football game, and I was only in football for a couple of days because they were using me as a tackling dummy. <laughs> Thatcher, get out there, hold the ball. 
Come. But if you're in the huddle, you lean in because you want to get the instructions right. As Justine said, to lean in so that we can do our part in this adventure, this mission that we have with him. I get back to my sub job. I've only subbed in one district. And I've subbed in one job now for two and a half months. And I won't tell you the circumstances nor the school. But it's a high school, it's local. And uh, <laughs> believe me folks, this is not comfortable because for the last 10, 15 years I've been teaching advanced placement social studies. Guess what I'm teaching now? Psychology. <laughs> Me? <laughs> yeah, psychology is weird. It sure is. You should see the book we're using. Oh, my goodness. It's great. I'm teaching food prep. Me. <laughs> if it wasn't for my next door neighbor teacher who teaches food also, who is a whiz, she's like Rachel Ray, and she's a believer. I would be in food. I would be watching her teach and doing the stuff along with the kids. Because I'm just not fluent when it comes to that. I am out of my element. Way out of my element. After my second or third day at this school, this teacher took me aside by the arm and she said this. She said, you, and I don't know if what your faith system is, are an answer to prayer for this place. I said, what? I asked the people in the front office, there was a gal there that has faith, hope, and love on her wrist in, in ink, tattooed, and, that she, and it said resurrection on this way, and those three things were across this way. I said, can I ask you about the ink on your arm? And she said, sure, honey, you can ask me about the ink on my arm. I'm a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. Because <laughs> I had not told her about me. And I said, wow, <laughs> me too. <laughs> like, whoo. <laughs> And she's sweet, and she's nice, and she's welcoming, and she's caring about kids, and she points over to Melody over there, and she says, and she is too, and he is the vice principal. And we have a prayer meeting on Monday afternoons at 3 o'clock if you'd like to be part of it. I do, oh, you know, what? Here? It's, it's tough. I'm out of my element. But I said Yes. <laughs> The other day I was cleaning up the kitchen. I <laughs> know that sounds funny. <laughs> I'm the teacher and I'm cleaning the kitchens. It's kitchens because there's six of them with all the kids we have. And I'm, you know, mopping the floor and throwing things away and wiping the counters. And I was singing. And I was praying. And I was laughing. I said, God, this is so cool. This is so great. God, look at my age. <laughs> like I tell, I tell God my age. <laughs> Look at me, Lord. I should be at the end of my career. And I think what happened was I got to a place where it was like, Lord, I've done so much for you. Now, don't tell me to go somewhere else because I've done this and I've been here long enough. Don't touch me, okay? Boy, what a way to get old fast. I've had kids tell me things not said to other people. I had one kid, a senior the other day, he says, yeah, you know something, Mr. Thatcher, for your age, you're still vital. Gee, Randy, thanks. I think you failed the class for today. Here's what's on the wall 
at the place where I teach, if I can get to it, because I'm going backwards. Oops, come back. Come back. These are the school's values. And if you can't see it, what's in yellow right there is agape. You really think, Greg, that public school is where Satan lives? Now, I've met some pretty wacky teachers there. <laughs> but we're friends. You know what I did? Instead of showing videos the last day of school, <coughs> I'm sorry, the last day of school before Thanksgiving break, instead of showing videos, that's what I was going to do about psychology. <laughs> but you know, guys, it's been proven by um, people in psychology that um, when you give notes of gratitude and you give thanks to people, that you feel good about your own psyche and the other pe person feels really good about it too and everybody's encouraged. It kind of raises all boats. So that's what we're doing today for the last 25 minutes. We're writing notes of thanks and, and, and gratefulness that we know. And here's what I want you to do, guys. I want you to write some notes to folks that don't usually get it, like your lunch person and the, ma and the maintenance guy. You know those people? And I gave them their names. You know, by the end of the day, I had over 100 notes Kids, at least one per kid. And I'm putting them in the, in, the, in the teacher's boxes. They still have that. And there's some things that don't change from school to school. But I was putting things in the teacher's boxes, the notes that I had for them and stuff. And this one teacher come in, and she, she was reading her note. And she said, I, I said, oh, did you get a note? She said, yeah. She said, what are you doing? <laughs> and she said, I know exactly what you're doing. You want to stay, don't you? This is not the reason I'm doing this. And she held that up and she said, you know, this is the first time I ever got anything like this. She's a good teacher. I'm just being me. I'm just being me. I can't pray with the kids. I can't tell them I go to church and all that kind of stuff. But this one kid came to me the other day and he said, Mr. Thatcher, I got to tell you, since I've been in this class, I've come back to God. And I said, huh? What, Joseph? He said, I've come back to God. He said, I, I realize I, I, I can't live like I've been living. I've got to come back to God. His biological dad's in prison. His stepdad, he gets along with him really well, so there's no problems there. But at the same time, I, I, didn't, I didn't say, and by the way, if you want to talk to me about recommitting your life, please come forward now. They would kick me out if I did that. I'm sure of it. But I'm not doing anything different than being me. And this is what they have. And I can invoke this stuff when they don't turn their assignments in. <laughs> Accountability. It's, it's really an interesting place. I'm a light, and I didn't kind of mean to go there. I just wanted a job and, you know, get in the public sector and do something. And God changed my life because I said yes. And it's almost like my teaching career has been started up again. And I have joy. My wife says I'm not the same since this job started. She said I'm not the same person. She said every day you got some sort of God story you're telling me. This is just amazing. Last year at this time I talked to you about when life goes kerplunk. And I had the game kerplunk up here. Do you remember that? And I was telling you about what I was going through and how to respond to it. 
and I was really trying to stay positive. <laughs> what am I going to talk about? And, you know, because my, my life was kind of going kerpunk. Now I realize that it's about a puzzle. And that God sees the whole puzzle. I might get to hold a couple of pieces, but my life is not going kerplunk. He's putting the pieces together in a new way. It's a brand new puzzle, by the way. But he's got the big picture. I might get to a couple of pieces. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe I just get to hold the box. But every once in a while, we get to hold a couple of pieces. Deuteronomy 29, 29. But the secret things belong to the Lord our God. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. It's cool when he shows us, but when he doesn't, that's faith, folks. If he called you to it like Tamara was talking about, and you don't understand, that's okay, go ahead. It's okay. If he told you to do it, go ahead and do it. You know, if without Eric Lee and without uh, Roger Maddox and Bruce McCoy and Adam Levansky, I don't know what I would have done for the time in my life that I didn't know where the Lord was taking me. And each one of them took me, and when I told them my story, poor Eric one day, he said, how you doing? And I said, you really want to know? And he said, yeah, I do. Same with Adam. Yeah, I really do. And without judgment, hey, man, we've been through this. We'll pray for you. We'll do this for you. We'll stand with you. And you know, I still have friends in Bremerton, but I'm making friends here. And it's so cool. I'm in a church that I just feel like is the best that I've been in since I was a young Christian because it's family, because it's real. Ephesians 5 from the Amplified, this is not for old people, it doesn't mean amplified as in sound. Look carefully then how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately as the unwise and witless but as wise, sensible, intelligent people, making the very most of the time. I love this. Buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. The plan necessarily that you can see, but the will of the Lord. Or from the message, watch your step, use your head, make the most of every chance you get, these are desperate times. Well, if, if Paul could say that back then, wow. Don't live carelessly and unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. When you say yes, there's such a great release. I started writing worship songs again. I haven't done it for years. But when I said yes, I'm leaving Bremerton, it was like, oh, it's like a flood of something. Don't do it because you're going to feel better. That's not my point. God has a different, not different from his purposeful plan from the beginning for you, but then different than what you can see in your mind. Because he loves you, he's going to change you, and he's going to change the community that you're in because of your obedience. More than that, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. All of the prophets and the commandments are in that, that particular command that particular commandment. <sighs> praise God. Let's praise him right now where you are. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for the future and the hope that you're going to give me. 
Thank you for it. Thank him for it right now, church. Thank him for it. Oh, Lord. Thank you, God. See, before I was in my mother's womb, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're going to do. Well, that scripture in mind, would you take the cup that's in front of you, the two cups that are there, one stacked upon the other? I just love that we have every Sunday as an old Catholic boy. I just, man, you can't have communion often enough. I, have com I used to have communion with my kids in Bible class. <laughs> well, what about the denomination? Well, what about it? If you don't want communion, you know, you know, I just love that we do communion. And we take this first cup and we, we see that without Jesus, we were broken. And with Jesus, when we repent or we want to see him change us, we see the brokenness that might be left behind. We, we break that bread and we say, Lord, we are broken people. But because of for us on the cross, you more than restored us, you made us new. It's resurrection life that you put inside of us, Lord. And if we're broken, Lord, it's a good place to be. It's a good place to be. Because we're supposed to let you have the control of our lives. So we give over control of our lives to you. Not, we don't want to be foolish people, God. We want to be wise because you've been made wisdom to us. This cup, Father, as we take it in Jesus' name. Amen. We take the other cup and we know that without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. And the uh, blood of bulls and goats could not ever eradicate or do away with sin but only cover it. But the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? I remember Pam saying that a few weeks ago. Nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So Father, we thank you for... Lord, you said, do this in remembrance of me. And we remember what you did. It was so powerful, God, that we, we, we can mark our lives by before we knew you and since we've known you because of what you did on the cross. Because of blood. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Take it together. We just thank Greg this morning.